For the next 15 seconds, I just want you to silently think about the goodness of God. Go. Some would say thinking about the goodness of God is rather fluffy and shallow. But the scriptures say it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And when you truly see the goodness of God, the all-surpassing excellency of his nature and his character is revealed in the finished work of the gospel. It inspires transformation in your life that nothing else can. Fear can't do it. Bare knuckle, uh, hard will can't do it. Those things serve their place, but no, it's the goodness of God that transforms the life. Thank you, Caitlin and Rebecca, for serving the Lord. It's fun seeing all four of my family members up on stage today playing. They've Joey and Luke have been looking forward to serving, and they're, they're getting used to it now. And uh, it's just a joy as a pastor and our family to serve every Sunday. But our prayer is that we would get more and more involved in that. I know we got some new singers coming up that we're looking forward to getting involved in 2020. And our choir, of course, has uh, been doing well. They did it. Didn't our choir do a great job during the Christmas season with their Christmas songs? Amen. Wasn't that a blessing? And uh, we had a wonderful Christmas Eve service. If you missed it, you missed it. I mean, that's okay. We love you anyway. But uh, I guess maybe we need to start recording those, you know. But anyway, it was a great time. We ended the service with a beautiful candlelight uh, singing of Silent Night a cappella. It was beautiful. Hope you had a great time with your family. Many of you were out of town traveling. We missed you during the holidays. But we're certainly glad that you're back. And I'm, I'm glad that you're here on the final day of tw- or the final Sunday of 2019 to Uh, kick off the new year with us and looking forward to sharing my heart. Today's sermon, I really don't know where it's going to go. You know, it's one of those sermons where you've got so much on your heart to say that hopefully you can say it in a concise and brief enough manner, but also in a way that would stir our hearts. I really view this sermon more as a family meeting as we think about the year that we've come through, really the last 10 years that we've come through because we are switching over to a new decade. And, um, and so as I think about that, I just, I've thought a lot, of course, recently being on a sabbatical gave me a lot of time to think and reflect on the last 10 years of ministry here and to look ahead. And so today, the title of the message, as you, as you can see there on the screen and in your notes, is The Road Ahead, Where Are We Going in 2020? And so I want to talk to you today about one verse in scripture that I really think is helpful for us. And then some practical applications and some things that I see as leadership. And I hope that through sharing what I share today, it's not a negative or a downer in the sense of we walk out of here with a, oh no, things are really bad. Because they're, they could be if we don't listen to what the Spirit, I believe, has to say to us today. And if we don't heed the admonition of God's Word and, and the... Uh, exhortation of your pastor. So it could be, but, but I think that today as a family, we're just going to face issues head on, right? Um, how many of you in your family uh, got, got past the pretend stage that everything was perfect and you know that things are real, right? 
uh, I, I just saw Austin and Heather Smith l- look at me. Y'all, y'all know this, right? Even after a wonderful year of wedded bliss, they, they know. I mean, honey, how, how, how long did it take us to get past the perfect pretend stage? Two seconds? Anyway, it was, it was, it was wonderful while it lasted. And so we're a family. And so a family uh, confronts the things where they're weak and where they need to grow and where they need to be strengthened. So you're like, what is he going to say today? I can't wait to share my heart. I really think this is going to be an encouragement to you. I think a lot of you have seen some of the things that I'm going to mention today. And I hope that you will see today that your leadership sees that. And we want to address that and be better in 2020 and stronger as a church. And I hope that this sermon also just gives us a platform to talk about these things. Uh, Our deacons have been talking about these things for a couple of months now, and we hope in the coming months to have several conversations with you as a church family about where we're going in 2020 and into the next decade. Well, it's a wonderful life, isn't it? How many of you watched the movie this year? How many of you, it's a Christmas tradition? You watched it at least once. We watched it several times in our family because it's on Amazon Prime. Can I get a witness? So we watched it. Um, Every year at Christmas, we watch one of our favorite movies, It's a Wonderful Life. The plot of that movie is centered around George Bailey and his decision to take his own life because of the terrible financial circumstances that his business found itself in. The plot of the story, of course, takes an unexpected twist when his guardian angel, Clarence, um, steps on the scene, and Clarence actually jumps in the river ahead of George, and then George jumps in, saves him, and the next several scenes unfold where George is shown what life would have been like if George Bailey had never existed. And so, how many of you have never seen It's a Wonderful Life? Confess. All right, we're going to get y'all to see that movie. It's a classic. you got to watch it at least once. It is rather long. It's about three hours long. But anyway, um, so, so, so the whole plot of the movie is, is George Bailey was about to take his life, so Clarence, his guardian angel, shows him what life would have been like without George Bailey in it. And I couldn't help but think, as I watched that movie this Christmas season, this question, and that is this up on the screen. What if Decatur, what would Decatur be like if Fairview Baptist Church had never existed? Now, you can go two ways with that question. You can say, well, it wouldn't have changed much. And that should be a challenge, right? for us to make a tangible impact in our mission field into the new year. But I think a lot of times we just even underestimate our impact. What souls would have never been saved if Fairview Baptist Church had not existed? Candace just raised her hand. Leanna. You know, I, I, thought, of, I thought of some of our recent converts, but I thought of some of our old converts, Jim Sparks came to know Jesus through Fairview Baptist Church. I've heard his testimony multiple times now. And Jim, I'm so thankful that Fairview Baptist Church existed that many years ago to connect with you and share the gospel with you. But I'm so glad that it existed last year to connect and share the gospel with our newest baby Christians who are growing in the Lord and learning more about his goodness. And so what would Fairview or what would Decatur have been like if Fairview had never existed? You know, Satan's goal is to close the doors of every church that proclaims the truth and sets souls free. So why do we exist as a church? And looking ahead to 2020, how can we be effective and make the most impact with the influence that we have in our community? Uh, I want to go back for just a few moments and really encourage you to go back and listen to a podcast sermon if you've never listened to one. In fact, a whole series. Uh, A couple of months ago in the month of September, we looked at this series, Revitalize. And we talked about what a healthy church looks like. And we shared several 
principles from God's word. We talked in the first week about stewardship. Uh, the second week, we talked about, hold on, I'll tell you, I got my notes here. We talked about stewardship in the first week, and we talked about why it's so important. And then the next week, we talked about um, how healthy things grow, and, and we talked about the value of one another, the value of being together. Uh, then we talked about um, four attitudes that hinder healthy church growth, and we talked about um, five evidences of what church health looks like. And the final week, we talked about prayer. And if you missed any of those podcasts or those sermons, I really would encourage you to go back and listen to them because they're very vital for where we're going as a church. In fact, I had y'all um, at the end of that series do a survey on church health and how healthy you thought our church was. And out of the 70 respondents on that survey, 30 people who responded said they thought we were healthy. 35 said that we were somewhat sick. 4% said very sick. And one person said that we were dying. Now, um, as I looked at those statistics, I thought that's very interesting. We have about half the church that thinks that we're healthy and that we just you know, keep going. But then another half thought that we were somewhat sick. So there is clearly somewhere in our church that we need to really focus on um, uh, how we address that, how we address the sickness. Um, and, 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 and of course, I liken that to an illustration in our own personal lives where we can deal with one of those nagging coughs or stuffy heads for a while, and we'll try to do the home remedies like, you know, get oily or take vitamin C or echinacea or whatever, zinc. But sooner or later, if you've had that cough for a long enough time, it's time to go get an outside opinion. And so we talked about the value of that and where we go. And, and so in the next several weeks, we're going to be talking more about that. But in this survey results, and, and, and how many of you got a report from me with all the survey results and what people said, the comments that were made? Raise your hand if you got one of those. Raise your hand if you haven't seen this yet, because we, we want to get this in your hands. Okay, we'll make sure to have some copies of that. I don't know. We, we had a whole stack of them laying around at one point. They might be at the front counter. If not, we'll get you a copy. I want you to see what uh, people said. And of course, this was all anonymous, so, so names weren't attached to this. But I thought it was very interesting reading um, what what the reasons were that people thought we were healthy, but then on the flip side, what were the reasons that people thought we were sick and what were some of the symptoms of our sickness? And so, um, good news, I don't think we're dying, and I don't even think we're very, very sick. I think we're somewhere between somewhat sick and maybe being time to go to the doctor. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, do we try one more week of home remedies and try to really focus? Um, or is it time to go to the doctor and have them read the numbers and give us a prescription? And so that's what we're talking about today. Um, what kind of church does God want us to be? What kind of church do we want? What kind of church do we expect Fairview to be? Um, and just let me challenge you with this. Does the church that you have in your expectations, does it line up with what God wants? Because that's the most important thing we always come back to. Is this church what God wants this church to be? Is it a church that loves God? Is it a church that desires deeply to know him better, to know his heart? Is it a church that wants to show his love and share his life-transforming truth with the world? Is it a church that desires to see their community tangibly impacted for good because they exist? Is it a church that is clear on the gospel and what it truly is? Is it a church that is overwhelmed with God's grace and desires to stir one another's affections for Jesus? Is it a church that is committed to building a biblical worldview in the minds of all who are a part of it? Is it a church that is passionate for the next generation and committed to investing in them? 
And so becoming the church that we both want and need isn't just something that happens by a vote or by some um, action in the Constitution. it's, It's so much more than that. That can be a part of it. But it really comes down to what we see as the whole purpose for church. And that's why the mission statement that we've crafted and tweaked and, you know, really tried to simplify over the last several years. And that is our church exists to make more and better disciples of Jesus through the power of his saving and transforming grace. And it's our prayer that every person who comes in these doors would receive God's grace in that moment of salvation, then grow in that grace, and then serve because of that transforming grace in their lives. Grace is the wind in the sail to true Christian discipleship. It takes us forward. And so we we see today that as a church, we want to be healthy. We want to grow. We want to be effective. That's it. At the end of the day, we just want to be faithful servants. We want to be faithful stewards. And we talked about in this series that faithfulness is really, it can't be divorced from fruitfulness. Because in the parable of the uh, talents, uh, faithfulness was tied to fruitfulness in the the steward who was faithful. And so we want to be effective. We want to be used to the Lord. And so with all those thoughts in mind, let's turn to one verse of Scripture as we really go back and hit some of these points with revitalize. But talk about today, what does a healthy church look like? And we're going to simplify those five sermons into one, okay? We're going to take those five sermons from Revitalize. Now, now, there's a lot of good detail in those five sermons, and I really do hope that you'll take some time, put it in your car when you've got to drive to work, you know, over to Huntsville or Birmingham or wherever you're going. Listen to these five sermons. I hope you'll do that. Guys, can you go ahead and show the screen grab of the podcast? Um, and so if, 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 if you're on an Apple device, it's very easy to go to the podcast app, search Fairview Baptist Church, look for that blue and green logo, and that's our podcast, subscribe to it, and it'll pull down actually all the sermons that we've ever published on podcast, and you'll find very easily just a few months back the Revitalized series, and would encourage you to listen to any of those that you might have missed. But we're going to simplify and really boil down what that series was about today with one verse. Philippians 1.27, the Bible says this, Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Can we read that out loud together? Let's read it out loud. Ready? Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So what does a healthy church look like according to this verse? As Paul was writing the church of Philippi, if you look back at Philippians 1, verses 1 through 5, he had fond memories of these individuals and these fellow servants. He says um, of uh, Paul, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, flip flip back uh, there and look at verses 1 through 5, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. So Paul was writing the church of Philippi, and he said, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And so Paul had fond memories of the church of Philippi and how effective they were being in their sharing of the gospel. And he said, and he challenged them in verse 27, listen, may your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, standing fast with one mind, one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
Um, so what is the experience of being in a healthy church? Uh, the bottom line is that I can want a healthy church, you can want a healthy church, but it really is up to us collectively uh, following God. Um, if we won't follow, then, then uh, you know what? We're going to have to find folks who will, right? Because it's all a part of reaching this community. This church will fulfill its mission one way or the other. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's up to us to be willing to obey the scriptures, to follow God's spirit. It's up to us to be willing to adjust our heart's attitude or our lack of faith or our loss of vision to allow God to revive that, to allow God to call us forth out of our comfort zones, out of our, out of our fears, out of our uncertainties. Uh, it might be scary. It might feel awkward. I've, I've never been to a birth of a baby and had it not feel awkward. When babies get born, it's unique. It's like brand new life, and I'm not around that every day. And it's like, wow, this is different. Brand new life coming into the universe. And you know what? When brand new baby Christians get saved, it's a little awkward, but it's awesome. It's incredible. There's no sweeter sound to the heart of God than the newborn cry of a born-again believer. And if we're not hungry for that, we've got to ask ourselves, why not? What, why have we grown cold to that? Where's our passion for that? Um, and so, what does a healthy church look like? The first truth we see here in this verse is that Paul says that we should have a conversation that reflects the gospel of Christ. A conversation. That word conversation means your conduct. It means the way that you live. It's not just talking about what you say with your words. And we live in a society where talk is cheap. Politicians talk all the time, every day, and we know we can't trust 99.9% .9 of what they say. And so we live in a society where talk is very empty. It's very shallow. It's very hollow. And so that's why Jesus said 2,000 years ago, the world shall know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. You can say it, but will you show it? And that's what we see here is Paul is addressing the church of Philippi. He talks about one of the signs of a healthy church is a conversation that reflects the gospel of Christ. Before we speak the gospel, we must live the gospel. Before we grow numerically, we must be healthy spiritually. We must be alive, vital, revived spiritually in our hearts before God. And may our church truly be a living portrait of God's truth and grace in that reality. And so what does it mean to have a conversation that's becoming of the gospel? Well, it's talking about your lifestyle, your behavior. Specifically, I believe, in your love for one another, but, that, but from that emanates all the other habits and behaviors. If we love one another, we will not downgrade one another behind one another's back. We will not um, seek to see our brethren fail in their efforts to make a difference. One of the saddest things I find in church life today is this uh, passive resistance that, that basically step, steps back and it's not going to cause an issue, but is really hoping you fail. And that spirit is, is, is prevalent not only in churches today, but it's prevalent in, in every area of life. As we mentioned, it's very prevalent in politics. You can see that obviously. And so your conversation, your lifestyle, your behavior Especially, Paul's addressing especially here, certainly uh, personally, but he's really addressing here the corporate dealings of the body life of a church. 
And he's saying here that your life should be becoming an accurate reflection of the gospel. What's the gospel? God loved his enemies in that while they were yet sinners, Christ sacrificed for them. One of the greatest truths um, that will impact our church is sacrificial, unconditional love towards one another when it's not easy. Because that's when love is really tested. Um, the first time a couple really tests unconditional love is the first time they disagree, right? Then you test your vows. Then you find out whether the love was just words or if it's now going to be backed up with, with action. And so Paul says here to have a conversation that reflects the gospel. He says over in another epistle that he was writing to a church, uh, over in Colossians 1.10, he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord and the all-pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Man, boy, my prayer is for Fairview is that we would be fruitful in every good, wor every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. So as we gather every week that we're increasing in knowing God, increasing in loving God, increasing in living as God would in this world, that our conversation would be a reflection of the gospel. And so the church is a body of people that says we're going to rise above the secondary things that would divide us. We're going to rise above selfishness. We're going to rise above pettiness. We're going to rise above carnality. And we're going to purposefully live in light of the gospel. We're going to reflect that gospel to a lost and dying world by loving each other. And by loving the lost world like Jesus loved them. And so when you offend me, I've got to make a choice that I'm going to love and forgive you. And so we don't, when someone offends us, we don't ignore them. We don't stand off at a distance and, and, and say, well, man, I hope they, they fail. But no, when we bother and annoy one another, just like I bother and annoy my kids sometimes, we confront it in love unconditionally. And so a conversation that reflects the gospel of Christ. Um, another sign of health here in Philippians 127 is a community that's developed by the Spirit of Christ. And I'm going to give you these notes fast because I really want to get to some of the practical application of where we're going as a church in 2020. A community that's developed by the Spirit of Christ. Notice he says here not only conversation, but he says that you'd be, you would be united in one spirit with one mind. One spirit, one mind. God commands and intends for his church to stand fast united together in agreement and focused on his priorities. But this is only possible by one spirit of the living God. As I've learned in 10 years of ministry, there's no way that a church of 160 or 170 can get along, can stand united, can stand in agreement apart from the Holy Spirit of God. It truly takes the Spirit of God to do that. And it takes people who say, um, I'm going to surrender to you, Holy Spirit. I'm going to yield myself to you, and I'm going to let your spirit unite our hearts and our minds as one to give us a community as a church family where we love one another, where we want the same things, where we desire the same things. And so one spirit, one mind, one heart, one attitude, one passion, one agenda, one focus, the focus and force that carries us forward should carry us all forward together in unity. But in order to see that happen, we have to set aside our own personal agendas and preferences and we must surrender to God's spirit and God's agenda for the sake of the gospel. And so if there is going to be unity, then what that means is, is that the Holy Spirit is at work. If there is not unity in a church family, then it means that the Holy Spirit is being quenched and there is strife, carnality, and contention. And so that's the reality, that it takes the spirit of God 
to do this. We've got to depend upon him. Um, and, and what's interesting is brand new Christians who've just been born again, they know that Christians are supposed to be getting along. It's, it's, it's the mature Christians that become inward focused and, and self-centered. Now, uh, why does this happen? Why do so many churches struggle with strife and wars and, and fightings? Well, James says it's because of pride. It's, it's because of lust. Only by pride comes contention, but with the well advises wisdom. That's Proverbs. And he says that we war uh, over in the book of James. God says that we war because of um, the lusts in our members. But what happens? Why do a lot of churches struggle for years in this? I want to put up an illustration. It's not original with me. Um, it actually comes from a website called discipleship.org. Go ahead and put that up. You might not be able to see that too clearly. Yeah, the words look a little blurry. Um, but what this is is an illustration of the discipleship process in a church. And the reason that a lot of churches, and I think a lot of churches are at, are at a stage I'm about to point out. Over on the far right, you have spiritual death, where people are lost and they need to be born again, to, to start a new relationship with God, to trust him as their savior. And so once someone gets born again, they become a spiritual infant. So that's that first step of spiritual growth. So those who have just been recently saved, uh, welcome to you know, spiritual nursery, right? I mean, spiritual babies who are brand new in the Lord. Um, and, and, and those spiritual infants need what? They need a local church to offer them nurture and care. They, they need guidance. That's the primary need of a spiritual infant. But then once a person's been saved for a while, once they've gotten grounded in some of the basics of the Christian faith, then they move on to what we call a spiritual child. And we all know that spiritual children, they're a little bit older than a spiritual infant, but what's, what's the primary characteristic of a spiritual child? They're self-focused. It's all about me. It's all about my. It's all about what I get. So, they've, so what? Spiritual children find it hard to share. They find it hard to listen to their other siblings. I'm not looking at any kids in particular here. Um, you know, uh, and, and so what, what do we do as parents? We disciple our kids through, through infancy, through childhood, from being self-focused, then to being a spiritual young adult, a spiritual young adult, a spiritual youth. Now, a spiritual young adult really starts to understand the gospel, and they become kingdom-focused. They no longer are focused on self. Now they're focused on God and others primarily. But here's where a lot of churches spend decades. They spend decades between spiritual child and spiritual young adult. In fact, we've got a lot of churches that cater to spiritual children. And it's all about entertaining and meeting all the consumeristic needs of spiritual children. And so, you know, change the wrapper, dress it up, but it's all a me-focused ministry model. What can the church do for me? And, and listen, I'm not, I'm not downgrading that in the sense that that's expected from, from believers. If, if, if you come into a church and you're like, okay, well, what can the church service me with? How can they meet my needs? Well, sooner or later, that church is going to fail to meet all of your needs because we can't. And so a lot of churches get really hung up here between a spiritual child and a spiritual young adult in the whole discipleship process. And what the churches are doing are managing spiritual playgrounds with a lot of children. And what happens sooner or later on a spiritual playground with a lot of children? Fights. Self-focused. 
And we never move on to maturity into that kingdom-focused living by the power of the Spirit. And then we don't, certainly, if we don't get past there, then we don't move on to being a disciple-maker, which is a spiritual parent, a spiritual adult. A spiritual parent becomes a a disciple-maker. So so that spiritual young adult moves from kingdom-focused living to, to then really focusing on investing in other people and building up those new believers. What's fascinating is, is then even moving on, you move on into spiritual grandparents who are making disciple-makers. And that's fascinating. If you get that whole process going in a church, it's incredible to see. But it doesn't matter what flavor of church, okay? There's, 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 there's more liberal churches out there. There's more conservative churches. But they all are managing a spiritual playground between a self-focused believer and a kingdom-focused believer. And we've got to move on. And so part of the challenge of going into ministry in 2020 is how do we intentionally steward that process of spiritual growth? Because one of our key vision uh, principles is we want to grow by grace, And so what does that discipleship process look like? How do we effectively steward that and manage that? Because if we don't manage that, if we don't steward that, if we don't foster that, no wonder, you know, you don't like that preference. I don't like that. And so we get these battles going because we've never really matured in the growth process. And so... Um, a community that's developed by the Spirit of Christ. A church that is pleasing to God is a church that has a conversation that is becoming of the gospel of Christ and a community that is produced by the Spirit of Christ. And there's genuine growth happening in that community. Um, And so the church is not about just a lot of saved people getting together, looking at one another, having potlucks. That's not what it's all about. It's about so much more. I'm glad we're going to heaven together. I'm glad that we're going to spend eternity together because then, yeah, we'll be perfect. And we won't have any of our issues there, right? But who's going to go there with us? And how are we going to make sure that we see new babies born and, 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 and them to grow and to become spiritual children and then spiritual young adults and then a spiritual parent and a spiritual grandparent? Let me ask you a question personally. Where are you at on that growth process? Where do you think you're at? Would you classify yourself as a spiritual infant? Would you classify yourself as a spiritual child? You know what's interesting is it's funny how maturity works because maturity is in realizing and being really honest with where you're at. Um, How would other people see you in this process and in this journey? The goal of our church is to help you grow to that next step and the next step and the next step. And so how do we put together the ministry life of our church to foster that growth? Again, we're a spiritual greenhouse. We're not going to all be at the same step, and that's okay. We're not an assembly line where we're punching out metal forks. We're a spiritual greenhouse where plants are at all different stages of growth. And yes, some grow a lot more quick and wild than others. And then we got to prune that growth and tie it to the trellis and guide it. And so Paul is laying out here just the ideas of church health, a conversation that reflects the gospel of Christ, a community that is unified, developed by the Spirit of Christ. And we see that process of that spiritual development there in discipleship. And then finally, a commission to strive together for the gospel of Christ. God wants us striving together. What does that word striving mean? It means working together. It means exerting energy. Um, he's commissioned us for a cause uh, striving together. It means uh, literally to be pulling 
on a rope at the same time in the same direction. I've given you that illustration before. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing for the glory of God and the gospel of Christ. Because God receives the most glory when sinners hear, believe, and receive the good news of the gospel. And then they grow in their relationship with Christ. And so what are we striving together for? We're striving together for the gospel of Christ. We're striving together for the gospel of Christ. But as I mentioned, a lot of times what happens in the church, and I've shared this illustration before, but for those who weren't here years ago when I shared it, I want to repeat it, okay? Um, let's see. Who wants to do a little tug of war today? We've got some kids that want to help me out. Joey, Emily, thank you. I see that hand. No, who, who, I, I need four volunteers. Who'd like to help me real quick? All right, Seth and Gideon. Joey, I need one more boy. Come on. Jason, I see that hand. Thanks, Jason. All right, we need a big boy. We need a lot of help on, on one side. All right, all right, guys, come on up. They're going to help me out. Got a rope here. Hope this is strong enough. All right, Joey and Jason, you stand on that side. Get in, Samuel, you stand on that side. Now, we all know in a typical tug of war game, what happens? Now, in a real man's tug-of-war game, what happens? There's a big mud pit here, right? Because <laughs> the loser's going to get really dirty. And so you get your two teams, you know, they, they, they get ready, and, and, and the guy says, go! And the tug-of-war starts to, starts to happen. Now, we're not going to do that today. But if that was to happen, how, what, what would that look like? Who would win? Probably this side. You know, a little, little height advantage, a little strength advantage. And so what happens so many times in churches of all flavors, okay, this isn't just in one type of church. Again, most churches are between spiritual child and spiritual young adult. And so regardless of the church you're in, what happens is, is you get Christians on one side and on another involved in tug of war. Maybe these guys over here, they like uh, a certain color of pews. And, and these guys over here, they don't like that certain color of pews. Or maybe they prefer a, uh, other, uh, a, a certain service time. And these guys over here prefer a different service time. And so now we go to tug of war over things that are preferences, right? And so they start tugging. And one side might win. You know, we might have that big business meeting where one side wins or whatever over a preference. But here's the problem. You might think that one wins and one loses, Actually, they both lose. Because if you've ever been involved in a real tug of war, you know that the winning side also slips in the mud as well. They bang their elbows. They get bloodied. Joey, if he was to be involved in a tug of war, would probably throw an elbow to Jason. Not on purpose. But he's like, oh, no. But, but you know, Jason might get hit in the face. Uh, and, so, and so even if these guys won, they would still be beat up. They would still be dirty. You know what striving together for the faith of the gospel is? It isn't this. It's when Gideon and Samuel come over on this side of the rope. And you guys stay there. Yep, just make a little room. There you go. Notice how they had to make room. Oh, that's, that's interesting. What's striving together for the faith of the gospel is, is when all the believers in a church get on the same end of the rope, and they realize that on this end of the rope are Candace Sabins, Leanna Cleeks, Jim Sparks 50-something years ago. And they start pulling together, rescuing people who need the gospel, who need to see the love of God in action. That's what striving together for the faith of the gospel is. We're going to always have this tension, though, aren't we? Because the tension is, is to let a secondary issue. And so what we all have to do, pastors 
every role in the church, we all have to submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. That takes a daily remembering of the fact that we've been crucified with Christ. Dying to self and saying, God, your mission is bigger than my momentary desire or my momentary um, wishes or preferences. I just want to see more and better disciples of you made through the power of your saving and transforming grace. So I want to make sure I'm on the same end as my brothers and sisters in Christ because on that other end are people who need to be rescued. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Thanks for working together, <laughs> striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so what's the application? We need some help pulling do you have your hand on the rope? Are you helping to pull and reach men and women, boys and girls, with the gospel? I want to talk to you about some areas where we really need you to prayerfully consider getting involved in serving. Now, one of the challenges we have as a smallish, mid-sized growing church in a huge building is we have about 10 to 15% of the people doing most of the work. And what I want to challenge all of us to do today is to consider how can we serve. And, and one of the fears, I think, of getting involved, and you please give me feedback after, this, after the sermon today. Uh, we don't have small groups today, and so I'm going to stay here in the auditorium after Pastor Don closes. And I would love to have conversations with you about what I've shared today. Um, as we were praying in the back this morning, I, I prayed that, number one, those who are currently serving, who are experiencing signs of fatigue and burnout, would hear the heart of their pastor today and know that he sees the need and that we're going to do everything that we can in 2020 to address that need and to give you some margin. Because I know that one thing I truly enjoyed on my sabbatical is I enjoyed time to rest and have margin, and all of us need that. So I think sometimes we get fearful of stepping in and serving because we're afraid we're going to get put into a place indefinitely. And we're going to have to serve in that one location for the rest of our lives. We don't want you to have that feeling, and we don't want to set up ministry that way. We want you to be able to serve in an area of ministry. And then if God changes your heart and changes your, or gives you another desire to go serve over in this one, that you have that ability to have margin to try out other ministries and to serve. And so there's some areas where we really need some help pulling into 2020. And I'm going to mention them here. Number one, we really need help pulling in the area of our media ministry. And so I'd love for you just to take some notes here about some of our needs. We really need four more individuals, men or ladies, uh, even teenage boys or teenage girls, uh, probably 14 and older who can really run equipment. Maybe five-year-olds can run equipment these days. But we have some new equipment up there that we want to make sure we manage well. Um, and so, uh, but we need four more volunteers. And, and a majority of those really need to be adults um, who can help us in helping our media team because these guys come every week, day in, day out. They're so faithful. I'm so thankful for them. If, if they weren't here, you wouldn't be able to hear my loud mouth. Well, maybe you still could hear it, but it wouldn't be amplified. Uh, but we wouldn't have the sound system. We wouldn't have the lights. And so a lot of that happens behind the scenes. They're here early for rehearsals. So we really need you to prayerfully consider getting involved. We really want to uh, set up a rotation. Matt Lindsay is our ministry leader for that area, and he really wants to set up a rotation where you're not serving every week. But in order to do that, we need about four more people on the rope 
serving in that ministry. So if you can learn how to push buttons on a soundboard and learn a little tech, you know, learn how to do some of that, it's, it's easy. We really have set it up for ease. Um, please see Matt Lindsay or just let Pastor Don know. Pastor Don is our admin pastor, and he's the grease in the wheels here. And we're also uh, getting uh, um, Leslie Johnson to help us this upcoming year with some of this to coordinate uh, connections of volunteers. And so I think sometimes we come into a church and we're like, oh, everything's going well. It's all working fine. And it is, but it's with the same people every week, and they need a break. They need a sabbatical. And so we really want to help our media ministry team out to where we have two teams that are on a rotation. And to do that, we need four more individuals to serve. And so I hope that you'll prayerfully consider that. Along with the media ministry, a secondary area is I really need someone who understands websites and social media um, to help us with overseeing some of that. Um, a couple weeks ago, someone came to me and said, Pastor, the service time on your website is wrong. I'm like, oh, no, that's terrible. We can't even change the time on our, webs on our website. And so, it's a, it's, it's, again, it's a simple uh, uh, tool to use. We just need two or three people who are going to hold each other accountable and um, oversee that ministry, uh, website and social media. So that's a secondary one. And then there's others that I won't mention today, but that, that video that happens at the beginning of the service, it's a great way to just round everybody up. Uh, that, that takes a lot of time to put those together, but we need somebody who can uh, take photos regularly of all the events here at our church and take video and start to really build a video ministry that we can share these things online because that draws people in. And that, again, adds to the ability to pull people on that rope to hear the truth of the gospel. So media ministry. Um, Number two, the second one, Kids Point Ministry. We really need to go through our Kids Point Ministry with a fine-tooth comb and just encourage and equip our Kids Point teachers and leaders. They're doing a great job, but we need about three to four more volunteer couples who would step into that, again, to create margin for those who faithfully serve every single week. And so we would really ask for you to pray about serving in that area. Um, Kids Point Worship, we need folks involved there. And something that we want to do this upcoming year is we want to think of ways to equip you and encourage you to make sure that you have the tools and resources at your disposal so that you can serve and minister effectively to these kids. And so Kids Point Ministry, in and around that, Pastor Don and I are praying about what our next staff position is going to be. Now, in order for us to bring on staff, here's the, here's the thing I really want to encourage you to do, and all these things are important. They all are connected. But if you've not been giving regularly to our church, my prayer is that you will faithfully, financially support our church in 2020. Uh, make that a resolution here in the new year that every week you're going to give a portion of your income as God's Spirit lays it upon your heart to give cheerfully, to give sacrificially, to give um, with a heart of love towards the ministry. Because if you do, if you give regularly, consistently, then that helps us to be able to staff in areas where we need to staff. Um, I just want to say this kind of as a, a, a secondary point to our Kids Point ministry because from our Kids Point ministry, we then go into our youth ministry. I just want to say my heart's been blessed to see Jason and Jessica and what they're doing with our teenagers. Jason, thank you for serving. He does that um, all just uh, as a volunteer, and I'm thankful for him. And we're thankful for Je uh, Jason and Jessica, and we want to encourage them in this new year. So we're talking about ways to do that, equip them. Um, but I'm really excited about what God is doing in both our children's ministry and our youth. And so we knew we need about four more couples or individuals who can serve in our Kids Point ministry. And as I mentioned, our staff is even praying about um, where that next 
either full-time or part-time staff hire is going to be. No time soon, but uh, we're just praying about those things. Um, And then the third area where we really need people on the rope is a ladies' ministry. Um, This is an area that years ago we had going well. Um, It's kind of took a back burner for a while. And and so we really need someone, a a few ladies who would come along and... um, have a passion and a heart to establish a ladies' ministry. What does that mean? That probably means two Bible studies per year, one in the spring semester, one in the fall semester. Uh, Then a ladies' uh, secret sister ministry where ladies can encourage and pray for one another. They used to do that. I thought that was a great idea. I think that's something that we should do. Um, It just, again, encourages discipleship amongst just ladies and individuals that way. Um, Now, you might say, well, Pastor... uh, you know, we've got the pastor's wife and the assistant pastor's wife who can do that, but they're both busy. I'm so thankful for my wife, and I'm so thankful for Pastor Don's wife and what they do, and they're already busily involved here in the church, um, and, 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 and so we need some ladies who would come alongside, because, in, because traditionally in smaller churches, the ladies' ministry was just led by a pastor's wife or an assistant pastor's wife, but, but we don't have that margin here in, in how we do things, and so I hope that you'll prayerfully consider getting involved in a ladies' ministry. We really want to see that get started as soon as possible. And so if there's two or three ladies who would team up to work on that and to establish that, uh, Pastor Don and I are here to give you all the resources and encouragement that you need. And we'll be your biggest cheerleaders to do that. Um, And so those are three areas. There's a lot of other areas where we want to see um, growth in 2020. But these are three specific ways where you can grab the rope and serve. And so if you are serving right now and you're getting tempted to let go of that rope because you're tired, I understand that. In a church of our size, that's going to happen from time to time. And if you need someone to take over that rope for a little bit, please come and let Pastor Don and I know. Um, If you're not grabbing the rope right now, either um, in one of these areas, and again, it really takes a combination of all of them. It's not just one or the other. It's a combination of all. Um, I really hope that you'll pull with us in 2020. We have a commission that is bigger than all of us. We have a mission to share with the world, and it is up to us to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray. Father,